all, welcome back to the Pit Stop Podcast. I am Jordan Dyler Coltman, joined again by Tyler Walzak. Braden is still on his summer vacation, so he is not with us for these two weeks. He got a little head start as we are now at the point of the F1 season where everyone else will take their summer break. But we had some business to attend to before all the drivers got to head home uh, for some mid-season rest, and it was a lot of business to be attended to. Hungry. Great race, lots of action, lots to get to. Let's start right here, Tyler. Was Russell on pole or Max coming back in the race a bigger surprise for you this weekend? I think Russell on pole is a bigger surprise. Uh, Well, we do know that he's, even when he was in Williams cars, he was always Mr. Saturday. He was always able to get into that Q3 with the Williams car. Uh, He's always able to finish it over exceed where he should be in terms of pole positions. And he proved it again this past weekend and it was fun to watch. And he had that last lap in Q3 come and absolutely nailed it. And I don't think it's as surprising for Max Verstappen because we know who Max Verstappen is. He's going to, this is his first win, I think out of the first win when he hasn't started in the top four and it's won't, it's not going to be his last. It was, it was actually crazy because it was very quiet come like coming back from 10th. It was very quiet. And then he just absolutely dominated. There's something very fearful when you think of images in sports, like Gretzky behind the net, Michael Jordan with his tongue out. Max Verstappen in your rear view mirror is probably one of those scary images. Oh, for sure. It's right up there along with, you know, Tiger on Sunday in the red. You know, you're standing there trying to defend against. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's one of those. It's it, he, he right now is the best driver in the world. He's driving like the best driver in the world. He's got the best car um, probably that he's ever had. You know, you can make an argument about last year's car was pretty damn good, but he is just driving to perfection. Um, and as you say, coming back from 10th was was it was it was just it was a, a perfectly executed race after struggles uh, in qualifying um, that again, when we see mistakes for Red Bull this season, they have very rarely been driver mistakes. We saw mm. Max spin uh, in this race, turn yeah. right back around 360, no problem, back on the track. And he was, and he, it was like he, I mean, he maybe he gave up a, a position for a moment, um, but he was right back two laps later, attacking again and right back into the, into the lead. And I don't even uh, think he gave up a position. I think someone, one of the lap cars, was able to get back in front of him when he spun, but it was almost like he did it for show. He was that, <laughs> yeah. was that good. Yeah, I think yeah. Lewis. I think Lewis and Sergio were right there on the scene at the same at the same moment, but neither of them really gained a lasting advantage out of it. No. You're absolutely right. He he just was able to push through. Let's let's step back. As I said, we, we you talked about the surprise of of Russell being there. I do want to talk about qualifying because it was interesting. You know, we've talked a lot on the show about how exciting qualifying can be when it's raining. Well, we didn't see the rain during qualifying, but we'd mm-hmm. seen the rain leading up to qualifying, and that really did also once again increase the drama factor. We had some amazing. Um, you know, final practice three times. If you look at the the charts, you had some Williams driving really well. I think Latifi mm-hmm. at one point had the fastest lap in the rain. Like guys who do well in the rain, um, we're all sitting there really hoping that the 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 moisture was going to stick through 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 qualifying. It just didn't really do it, and yet we still got some drama. Seeing Russell all of a sudden stomp that time and put himself in in you know his maiden pole first time ever for for him uh regardless of what team he's with is fantastic to see he has had a great season we joked a little bit last week about you know is mercedes back and they've kind of been teasing us with these glimpses of 
success. And I said, going into this race, I expected them to take a step back. I was completely wrong. You know, I was completely, um, completely wrong. Uh, they found an even new uh, level of, of pace. Um, and, and as I say, you know, like, I mean, I'll admit I was wrong. I did not think that they, that Mercedes was going to drive well here. They drove really well here. And, and they showed that I think had Lewis not had that DRS problem, it was very likely that he was going to be right up there near Russell, whether it was the first or second row. Uh, and we could be having an even more, um, you know, a, an even better weekend for Mercedes than it ended up being, but for, for Russell, a huge, a huge step forward in his career. Well, yeah, that's a big milestone. Like we shouldn't underplay that first pole position like signs just got his this year as well so yeah. it, it's it is a massive thing for everybody's confidence and especially going into the second half of the season but mercedes is putting it together and this track was it like could have been one of those tracks where it fit them very well or doesn't fit them very well because we, they don't really know what car they have yet feels like they figured it out though in these last couple of races that is double podium in the last two races they are 30 points in the constructors behind Ferrari. And it's just, it, it's, it's funny because they want it to be a three, a three race, um, three car race for the constructors. Essentially, it's been a two, it was Red Bull and Ferrari. Mercedes is not there. Now Mercedes is up with Ferrari, but Red Bull is so far ahead of everybody else. So it's still kind of a two, two headed race, but it's more of an exciting one. Um, in terms of it's still a battle there. It's not just the like Red Bull's not running. We can find some excitement with Mercedes and Ferrari watching them. For sure. And I would say, you know, maybe like make a little note of this. We're going to get back to this at a later segment. I have more to say on where Mercedes and Ferrari exist here, but we'll, we'll, we'll save that for a later segment. Cause we've got, we're going to get there. Let's talk Ferrari. For a <laughs> you came into last episode, pretty fired up about how just unbelievably uh poorly um ferrari had been during the french grand prix strategically once again though we're watching ferrari make mistakes we have them put the hard tires which we have seen in race conditions throughout that day already from some of the mid table and and even some of the like the back of the pack guys who are trying to get some advantage out of running longer on the and they had no nothing at all it was like concrete tires i think is what they sort of joked about it in the commentary box these they just could not get them up to a racing condition and they put charles in them when he's competing for the lead i mean yes. he he was driving incredibly well better than signs at that point in the race and they went on a different pit strategy they left him out a little longer then they bring him back out and he he just had nothing. He was so vulnerable because of this choice and it left the door open for Lewis to gain an advantage. And Lewis was on fire. I mean, three or four additional laps to this race. And we would have actually had a repeat of last season where we would have had Lewis and, and, and Max probably fighting it out for the win because mm -hmm. Max had the pace at the end of that race, including the fastest lap to catch Max on the pace he was doing. And we would have at least had a little bit late fireworks. He just didn't have enough. There was not yeah. enough laps left in the Lewis race. Lewis Hamilton had the pace to catch Max. That's what I mean. Lewis yeah. was just on fire. And so you leave, you leave Leclerc vulnerable to him charging who again, give him credit too. came all the way to second. He was in seven to start this yeah. race. So you got, you got max all the way from 10th, Lewis all the way from there. Ferrari just completely shoots themselves in the foot again. I mean, I, I can only imagine the, the frustration as a, as a Ferrari fan to be watching week after week, your team just 
fumbling the ball on the two yard line, fumbling the ball uh, with open field in front of him, just making mistake after mistake. And it's like, why? Unforced errors. It's killing them. And I came in hot last week because Ferrari has to be better. They, and I was saying this last week, they have to be better. It's not okay. You are supposed to be, you are supposed to be at the top of the constructors at the beginning of this year. And I, I just, I didn't, I wasn't angry this weekend because it's not something that's surprising anymore. Like it's just at this point, it's like, okay, well, this is who they are. We can't get, you can't get emotional about it because that's who they are now. It's not yeah. like you're watching something and you're so surprised by it. That is like, it fires you up because like this one thing could change that, or this, this, they just did this. It'd be at the top. It's, it's just who they are and it's what they're going to do. And they're going to continue to do it for the rest of the year. And it's going to see them fall down the constructor standings. And it's going to get way more frustrating for Leclerc specifically because he's now out of he's only won one race in the last 10 or something like that. Now he should be winning races. He should be winning races. Yeah. And as I, as, as we said last week, I mean, I think at this point they have to accept that they just, they, that they've lost the season already. If from, from every expectation, as you say, that they had on them, this is a, this is a complete failure Uh, regardless of where they end up at the end of the season, whether they're able to gain a little bit of form back after the break and and continue to fight for second in the constructors or their, uh, or, or one of their drivers is able to continue to hold on to that second. And, you know, it's just so and that's disappointing. That's the, fr- that's the frustrating part. If you're a Ferrari fan is that the, the comment you just said was they're going to fight for second, that car should be fighting for first in constructors. And they have just thrown that whole opportunity away in a season that kind of led to an advantage for Ferrari because Red Bull was going through this new engine and there was some troubles with it. And they had some DNFs and obviously Ferrari has some DNF famous DNFs from the season as well, but, but in a weird season, it was everything for theirs. The whole thing, this whole season was supposed to be theirs. And now it's just uh, Ferrari being Ferrari again, which is not, it's actually laughable. They were laughing in the cool down room at Leclerc, the three guys that were on the podium, Hamilton, Russell and Verstappen are all going, is he on hards? Why is he on hards? And they're, la- they're laughing at him. It yeah. just doesn't, even Pirelli. So what Pirelli, the tire makers, before each race, they come up with a strategy that is probably best suited based on like just um, ridiculous amounts of data from last tracks and races and, and the temperatures and all that. They, what Ferrari did was not even anywhere close to one of their um, recommended plans. And it, it just didn't, I don't know why, I just don't know why Ferrari, like, why would Ferrari do that? All you have to do is play it safe and your drivers and your car will get you to the finish line in the top three. So why, why are you, why are you making these decisions that don't, they don't have a basis on anything? What, why would you go to that hard tire? It's cold outside. If it was super hot, if it was scorching hot, it would make more sense to go to a hard tire because, because they hard tires take longer to warm up. But if the track is hot, then you don't have to worry about that warm up time. It was cold. It was damp. It was about to rain, and they went to hard tires. It doesn't. I'm, I'm at a loss for words. Like we are average fans that we talk about this once a week, but we don't have the knowledge and the capability of what they know. And we're sitting at home going, "What the hell is going on?" Yeah. No. It's it's frustrating to see, and it, it and it. Regardless of who you cheer for, you know this has become the biggest story of the season so far because it the only opportunity any other team or any other driver was really going to have to um, compete with 
you know, our presumptive champion in Max it was going to be either Charles or Carlos. And really it was Charles because of the experience at Ferrari when it, when it came to actually being able to ride alongside them from the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. There are other drivers now who are probably as competitive. We're starting to see the Mercedes, both George and Mac or, and, and Lewis probably can match Max in a one-off race in ideal conditions. If everything goes their way they're right now, they're getting close to that place. Yes. But the only time, the only team, the only drivers that have been, actually able to do that from you know day one um of this season at bahrain what has been ferrari and yet they have just they've just not shown up you know it's like when you have a title fight lined up and you've got two guys there and one guy just doesn't train properly for the fight and that's what's frustrating you just it's just yeah. you know and for max you know great this is going to make it a lot easier for him to to rack up his second world championship and and yep. and take and a lot first, of the, his first yeah, really yeah a lot of the sort of the stain off of the first one you know and and he can really truly say i'm a world champion and and in his case he will be and 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 i think as i said last week i have nothing yet to prove that i that he won't be you know there's no evidence yep. to show me that anyone is realistically going to catch him i think you know i uh I think I just did the math before he's got an 80 point lead at this point. You know, he extends, I think he had a 61 point lead. He's extended it now to an 80 point lead. It's not, I mean, it's just realistic. He could not miss, even close. He could miss the next three races. And no. And I, there's a funny stat I saw too. I believe uh, when you look at the charts, everyone from 15 down mathematically eliminated from championship. I'm like, really? <laughs> We're actually doing this. Were they not mathematically eliminated from yeah. day one? That list includes Nico this, Hulkenberg who had one race. Yeah. There's five teams that were mathematically eliminated before the season yeah, even got start, started. Start. So let's really quickly before uh, we 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 move on to that. Let's just after this race, we end up with Red Bull sitting with 431 points in the constructors, 334 for Ferrari, and then now Mercedes, who's continuing to close the gap on them with 304. Uh, Alpine, who has a slight advantage over McLaren, and I do want to talk about that for a second because that was another part of the sort of. Uh, mid-table fight that's become really exciting uh, Alpine and McLaren so 99 points for Alpine 95 for McLaren and then um, the list goes down uh, we'll leave we'll leave the rest of that for now but let's talk about Alpine and McLaren because this has been um, very evident that for these two teams they know the the, the fight for fourth is between the two of them yes. uh, every single race strategically they are after each other um, and we have seen some interesting inter team squabbles from both sides a little bit more off the track for McLaren where we've had some more you know Ricardo has not been driving well all season so there's been a lot of like can he help the can he really get back to form to help the team there whereas Alpine's had much more consistency between their two drivers they've been much closer to each other timing wise and they've been much closer to each other results wise but they're also occasionally finding themselves fighting on track and they cost themselves positions this race because of again some sort of internal uh squabbling Ocon cutting off Alonso early in the race and then the two of them got sort of tangled up and opened the door wide open for a great overtake by Ricardo who took them yeah. both so that was that a fun, one was, was a great overtake to watch. by the way it's like the so it it's actually funny because you said that's like the teams are it's a great fight it's too good of a fight if you're at Alpine Alpine because the cars are so like the cars are obviously evenly matched but the drivers are so good that they're both getting the max out of that car but because of that they're beside each other all the time yeah. and it was very very evident that Alonso was frustrated with with Ocon this yesterday and it's kind of funny that he also chose to leave this yeah. morning 
going yeah, to a different team. Too, we'll yeah. talk about that later, but I'm wondering if maybe that on track stuff kind of, he just got fed up with it with Ocon, but what do you expect Ocon to also do? Like he's like, you could make an argument that they're both supposed to be the number one guy. Like Alonzo is a veteran who probably thinks he deserves it more because he's a veteran. Whereas Ocon is won a race last year for them. And he's the young up and comer that they have. Who's also signed, who's also signed for longer term. So it's, they both kind of could say, well, I'm the one guy. No, you're the backup guy or the one B I'm one A, I'm one A. It's, it, it was very interesting. And it's also fun to watch that stuff. We've talked about this before in past ups or past, yeah, past episodes that watching drivers from the same team's race is actually very, very exciting because it is that more, a little more dangerous. Now Alpine is getting both their drivers, everything out of them. Whereas McLaren is only getting one of their drivers showing up seemingly every weekend now. And that is um, uh, Lando Norris. He was, was brilliant yesterday. He was, he had a very, very good quiet race. Um, he was in, he got up to fourth after the first lap, right off the, right off the top, actually right in the first three turns there. And Ricardo is just not, I don't know where he is. And it's gotta be frustrating for everybody at McLaren and on Ricardo's side, because he could theoretically be gone after this year. Yeah. And that's the big, that, I mean, that's the other big part of uh, where we are in the season is that now guys are driving for their jobs. They're driving for the attention of other teams. They may be looking for a seat. You know, there's a lot of those kind of factors and we will talk about that in a second. But um, as you say, when you have two drivers who are driving as competitively against each other as the two guys have been at Alpine, something's eventually got to give right Mm -hmm. now, if you can, maintain that if you can as a as a team principal or as the sort of management and and engineers on that team if you can if you can harness that to your advantage it obviously will propel alpine to where they have been in fourth and 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 holding on holding on to fourth um if they can get the best results out of them because if you do look at their main competitor in mclaren ricardo is continuing to not be able to deliver the same level of results norris is consistently and that would be great for them from a money-making perspective alpine would love to finish fourth that would be huge for them um you know if you go back in their history to when they were Renault, that is exactly what they w- were expecting to compete for every year. You know, I, mm-hmm. I believe in 2019, they had a sniff of third place. Um, and they've really have been a team that has been consistently the best of the rest uh, throughout their history. And they are looking to continue to do that. Now, I think second year as being sort of the new rebranded Alpine, this is important for this team to continue to develop. And I would also say like, now we know there's an open seat there. And again, we will talk more about that in a second, but now that you now that there's an open seat there, this will make the next couple of weeks really, really interesting because they have been probably the best, the the biggest surprise I would say of this season in terms of performance. They are yes. a really, really put together outfit that has a great car. They have got drivers driving them well. And if I was a driver looking for a seat, that would be a very attractive option right now. Very attractive option right now. And there's going to be guys who are already in a seat with different teams that are going to want that Alpine seat. And there's going to be kids that are going to come up and want it as well. So you, yeah, you also have to pair someone because Ocon isn't necessarily the easiest person to get along with. Sometimes he is, he can be a bit of a hothead. Uh, So they're going to also going to have to think about who they pair with him specifically for that reason. Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll talk about that. As I say, after the break, let's just really quickly wrap up. Uh, Hungary. So 
any other major storylines for you? Any other big surprises coming out of this race? As I say, you know, watching Max Verstappen just continue to uh, develop into just the elite of the sport is is obviously, you know, like you can't you can't um, overstate how good he is right now. But equally, Mercedes having both drivers get there. It was interesting there at the end. Do you think Russell was trying to race Lewis at the end there? Like it didn't sound like the team really you know, called in and said, Hey, we need to invert. Lewis has got more pace. They were going to let these guys sort of, you know, at least fairly sort it out. Cause Lewis did have to overtake him and did a little sort of back end switcheroo there on out of one turn. He went wide yeah. and then cut back in. Do you think um, Mercedes was sort of gambling on these two guys will sort this out on themselves on the track, or did they just sort of know that it was good? Like, how do you think that that played out there? At I the think, end? see, I think that's the difference between Mercedes and Ferrari is that, Mercedes probably total wolves probably looking back like Hamilton's faster. Hamilton knows he's faster. So it's just going to be a matter of time before he actually gets to pass him like normally in kind of like an actual race scenario. Whereas if, if they were going to get caught up with each other, then I think it would have two or three laps into that fight for a second, then Mercedes would get on the horn, but they're smart enough to know, like if one guy's faster, he, and he's Lewis Hamilton, he's going to get past him. So I, I don't think maybe they were talking about it. Maybe we didn't really, I didn't hear anything from it yeah, either. They never, I, they, and, nothing made the broadcast. So, yeah. And I went back and listened to the, or watched the sounds where they, they just show yeah. like interesting yeah. clips of what the guys are saying and nothing was on there either. So it was, I mean, yeah, it's just a smarter team. Yeah. That's the scenario that makes you a better team. Yeah. And certainly a team that you, you think they kind of, they probably had enough of these conversations ahead of time. It feels yeah, a little true. bit like there's a lot of things Ferrari does. That's like, it's the first time they've ever even thought they were going to do it. Yeah. And you're like, really, you didn't think this through at all. Like that's for the me, longest yeah. running team, the longest running team in F1. And they have, they have rookie mistakes every weekend. Yeah. Bizarre. Really. Very it bizarre. really is bizarre. Really what is. I did like um, just to go kind of way, way off topic here uh, with the Hungario ring, uh, the one detection zone for DRS, but two spots you get to use it. I think that was super cool. I think it's the only track that does that, that I, yeah, I am yeah. aware of. Yeah, there's um, the one corner. And yeah, so you can use DRS, then take a corner to get past the guy and then use that DRS again. It kind of, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an easy way to pass someone in a, in a track that's not great for passing people, but it's kind of cool. It just gives you that little extra pace after you make a move. Uh, yeah. I thought it was interesting. And, well, and we did see, and I, I sort of, I, I threw it out there last week saying this race last year, obviously, as you, you illustrated last week, very exciting and very dramatic this year. It was all about, this is probably the best test and best example we have had of the success of these new regulations in terms of following in close proximity. Cause this mm -hmm. is a track that in the past teams have struggled to overtake because they haven't been able to follow closely we had a lot of overtaking obviously you have our your one and two coming back from seventh and tenth uh they obviously could overtake much more effectively and i think there's yeah. a lot more close contact racing even as we you know you get incidents like that spin for for max and there's two guys right on the right on him uh, in that instance you had yeah. a couple instances where you had like two or three cars kind of going into a corner together that for me is what has made this season a lot more exciting as a fan because you I are agree. seeing these battles um, be a bit more 
uh, th- th- they're able to last a little bit longer. You've got guys who are falling for one or two laps if they're not quite able to get the DRS advantage because you know the other guy's defending well or the other guy's using his battery. Whereas in the past, it was like you get one attack and then you'd have to pull back for a couple laps to cool down the car and make sure you yeah. got the optimal tire temperature and then attack again. Here, it's like, oh, he, he didn't get him this lap, but he's going to be right there again next lap. He, oh, he didn't get him this lap. You know what I mean? That's yeah. been really exciting. And as you say, this is a weird one. You've got that sort of double DRS spot and we had a couple instances uh, where a guy would make the overtake uh, in the first DRS zone. And then he actually gets the advantage to extend yeah. the lead coming out of the second one. Whereas, you know, in, 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 in years past, you'd have like, if you had two DRS zones um, you'd have, I think Brazil's one of these where they are still pretty close together. There's probably like another hundred or uh, 150 yards. And then there's a second zone. So one guy would overtake, then the other guy would get the DRS advantage and you'd have an, a, like an over, uh, like a, a re-overtake or a take yeah. back or whatever you want to call it. And this is completely different. This is like, you get the, if you can get it done in that first, in the first zone, one, then you, you get, get that the little extra push, which is great. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. Certainly an, an interesting track and, and, you know, made for some great racing. So, well, that was, that was the Hungarian Grand Prix. We'll leave it there for now. Let's get to uh, what is going to be a busy off season after the break. This episode of the Pit Stop Podcast is brought to us by Busy Bee Vegan Skincare. Busy Bee is an all-natural skincare line dedicated to healthy, vegan, plant-based skincare and overall wellness. They offer a selection of handcrafted body scrubs, butters, and washes that not only make your skin glow, but smell amazing. Their unique all-natural scents include gingerbread, ruby grapefruit, caramel cake, and morning latte. So why not treat your skin to something fresh and all-natural? Head over to shopbusybevegan.com today. And as a special bonus, BusyBee is offering listeners of this podcast a 15% discount on your first order with the code ordinarypodcasts. I said off-season. I didn't mean off-season. I meant the mid-season break. We are halfway, well, just over halfway through the season. The drivers now are going to go home. The teams are going to go home. Everyone's going to sort themselves out because we're not going to see another Grand Prix until we go to Belgium on August 28th. This is the time of year though, where all kinds of craziness ensues. We have drivers who are going to start to sign drivers who are going to retire before we get to any of that. Let's start with the biggest news of the week from the, the driver changeover side of it. Sebastian Vettel, I think surprising Aston Martin uh, on Wednesday, announcing his retirement from Formula One. He is one of the most decorated uh, drivers this sport has ever seen. He is a four-time champion, four consecutive wins for Red Bull, really put Red Bull on the map as a dominant team while he was there. Um, When he made his debut uh, for BMW, it was as a reserve driver. Uh, Robert Kubica was in a really serious accident in Canada that many people may remember, and he... um, couldn't race obviously the next week in, in um, it was in Indianapolis, actually it was the U S Grand Prix at at Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. Um, And Sebastian Vettel made his debut there finishing in the points at the time. He was the youngest driver ever to win points in their first uh, race, which was great. He was 19 years old. And since then he has put together just an absolutely, you know, a sparkling career, Uh, 53 wins, 122 podiums, over 3,000 career points. He's been on pole 57 times. He has 38 fastest laps. Uh, And as I said, four championships, um, driving for BMW, Red Bull, Ferrari, and now for Aston Martin. Just a really, truly fantastic career. And one of those drivers who I think a lot of people became fans of his, both for how he drove and how well he drove, but equally for what, 
and who he was as a person and is as a person. You know, he's a fascinating, interesting guy. He's kind of funny. He's kind of odd. He's got these strange passions. He's a huge um, sort of advocate and supporter of like bees and has this huge farm now where he's, he's cultivating all of these species of bees that are struggling to, to survive in Europe because he recognizes the environmental importance of bees. He's mm-hmm. got these sort of strange off away from racing passions that has just sort of endeared him to a lot of people. And he's also been an advocate for a lot of different causes. The environment, as I say, he's also, you know, throughout we've seen in the last couple of years, he's been a, a, a huge um, supporter of, of, um, equal rights and, 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 um, supporting gay marriage in Europe or or any of those kind of issues. And he's never been afraid to speak his mind. And and, and I think, you know, for a lot of people that probably went both ways, we've seen a few drivers who are comfortable in who they are, but as he's gotten older, I think he's just become more and more endearing. Obviously I'm a big fan. I I can say that. What are your sort of thoughts on Vettel retiring? Obviously it's going to be a big change for this sport, but you know, it's going to be it's a huge change and it's he's a hall of fame like he's a hall of fame driver he's yeah. four like you said four titles with red bull never he never won a championship with ferrari but he had a ton of wins for them oh, uh, yeah. they just never were able to put it together obviously ferrari going to be ferrari um and uh, to me the lasting thing watching vettel over the last couple of years like the the impressive thing is how the kids look up to him like what he's doing, like he was actively trying to get Schumacher, Schumacher, Mick Schumacher to take his spot with Aston Martin. So he went yeah. to Aston Martin and said, if, if I could choose who gets my spot, it would be Mick Schumacher. So you, and then when you actually had his retirement announcement, if you go like online, everybody talks like so highly of him. All the drivers were a little bit shocked and also have nothing but respectful things to say to him. Um, and you can even tell with like Lewis Hamilton, those two were fighting a lot when they were coming up together and the just absolute respect between them. And you can kind of tell, at least for me, what a person is like outside of the sport based on how their peers treat them. So when you see this, you, you do have to kind of know that this is a good person and he's a great driver Absolutely. and the sport's going to miss him for sure. And it, also kind of fitting that his retirement is now going to be the spark of what they call silly season. So his retirement opens up that first seat. So now all these other seats can start trying to figure out who's going to be sitting in them. Um, and for how long. Yeah. And uh, the one other stat I didn't mention there that I think there's, well, there's two pieces of one. He's the third time. I, th- I believe he's third all time in wins uh, as a formula one driver, which is insane when you go to that sort of hall of fame place right only michael schumacher and lewis hamilton are ahead of them you literally can go down the record book here at formula one and every single category sebastian vettel's name is in there somewhere um yeah you know 218 consecutive race entries um he's got most consecutive race starts at 159 uh he goes you go you go further down to like some of the weird different ones where like he's he's tied for number one all time for wins in a season at 13 with michael schumacher who was of course his mentor and his and his idol um as being you know a german driver and then the stat for me that i think is 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 arguably the most impressive is he had nine consecutive wins in 2013 that's number one all time um two more than anybody else who's ever had consecutive wins in a season so he's just when he was at his sort of 
you know, apex, uh, as a, as a, as a driver, he was unbelievable, unbelievably competitive, unbelievably, um, successful. And as I say, like the greatest Red Bull driver of all time. Now you've got a guy in max who's going to challenge that and push for that. Ooh. But when it comes to the identity of Red Bull, it's built on the shoulders of, of what Vettel did for them with Absolutely. four consecutive championships, you know, and he didn't come out of nowhere either. Like he Red Bull signed him to their driver stock or, or whatever you want to call it garage when he was 11 years old. Yeah. So they knew that what he was back then, and he just kept delivering, kept delivering. He was a prodigy, and he was he absolutely lived up to everything that he was he was supposed to do. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's jump over to what what as you say, it was the spark. It was the beginning of silly season, and already silly season is off to a silliness. Uh, we find out this morning. I guess this is we're recording this Monday, the first of August. So a day into the uh, One season day. break, yeah. and Fernando Alonso announcing that he will be leaving Alpine and joining Aston Martin to take up Sebastian Vettel's seat. So we know now who who will be over there, and they go from the second or third oldest driver on the. Uh, uh, circuit to the oldest driver on the circuit. There's probably very few people other than obviously Lewis Hamilton who could come even close to the experience level of a Sebastian Vettel. Alonso's right up there, you know, in terms yeah. of the experience he has, if the whole point of Vettel being there was to continue to help um, develop that team into a winning culture. Well, Alonso's going to be uh, right there too. And arguably in terms of form, you couldn't ask for a, a, a driver who has been driving better than Alonzo right now. He's, yeah. He's as old as he is. He's the fourth yeah. or fifth best driver right now out there. Yeah. He's uh, great. So it's a huge win for, for Aston Martin to get him. Um, technically they haven't signed Lance Stroll, but we know Lance Stroll will be there. They're on a five-year plan uh, owned by his father. Yeah. They're just sorting out the exact number figure that seats there. Let's run down the table of who we know is where, and then where the seats are. And then I'll get you to play a little bit of like, you know, musical chairs and who yeah. you expect to be where let's just for fun. All right. So we'll do this. Uh, why don't we do it alphabetically? So Alfa Romeo, we know Valtteri Bottas is there long-term. The question is, is Zhao there? Is there anything to suggest right now that Zhao isn't staying there? No, Zhao's that's his seat. He's, he's been, he's been delivering for them this year. He's starting to find his groove. He's happy. They're happy. Just based on radio calls, that will be Zhao. Unless something completely drastic happens. I don't, which I don't think will, because it would have to be huge. Um, like you'd have to get someone like Hamilton wanting to go to to them to have Zhao lose that seat. I think that's what to go drive with Bottas again. Yeah, that's what I was like. This the, uh, that would be what it has to take to get Zhao out of that seat. All right. Well, let's let's leave them then. Let's go to the the next A on the list, and this is AlphaTauri. So we know Pierre Gasly's resigned there. Technically, Yuki Sonoda has not resigned there as of yet. But do we expect those two drivers to still be there, regardless of what the contracts? are right i now. wouldn't i wouldn't say that no i i don't you could have a completely different team at alpha tori next year and i know like gasly technically has signed that contract but there's ways out of that stuff um sonoda hasn't sonoda was terrible yesterday like we, we don't even need to talk about him he finished 19th he was absolutely brutal so he it's his second year with the team he's not doing well he's not he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing he's supposed to be more like um what Zhao was doing when he, when they brought him over, but uh, you could, you could have two new drivers for AlphaTauri next year. You probably will have Gasly and AlphaTauri just based on, I don't know, like contracts and respect level and stuff like that, but he could get an offer with one of these other teams that we're going to talk to. We're going to go down this list. 
All right, so then we'll jump to the next one. We obviously just talked about it, and we know this seat is open. So Esteban Ocon, I think, by all expectations, will still be with Alpine. Do you think that's true? Yes. Okay, so then who, if you're going to put somebody in there, who is the most likely candidate, do you think, right now? Or who are maybe the top three likely candidates to replace Fernando Alonso at Alpine? Okay, uh, well, the Pierre Gasly is someone that you could put on that team. It is a French-owned team, and that would give them two French drivers. Um, you know that Gasly doesn't really want to stay with Red Bull anymore. So, but there was a, at that time, it was the only logical seat that he could have, but because of this retirement with Vettel and then Alonso moving over Alpine is in a pretty good spot for that second seat because they also have that kid Piastri that is in their farm system. If you want to say that, uh, so technically they've kind of lucked out. They can just put him in. He was going to go to Williams but they could just slot him in the easiest and probably the safest move for Alpine would to just put Piastri in that seat and have an Ocon Piastri 2023. And that I think was definitely where I would lean. I think that there was a lot of interest from several teams last year in Oscar Piastri. He's easily the most sort of, highly coveted young driver, not currently in formula one. I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of expectation that he is going to be very, very good. And as you say, Alpine has put themselves in a great position to have him being their development driver. He's driven some, some practice sessions for them. He's obviously done some test sessions for them. He knows the team. He's been in the team. He's been mentored into their system. He knows the car. What a great opportunity with Alonzo leaving, whether or not you intended for Alonzo to leave or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, all of a sudden, the door opens for him. And for him, as a guy who was the, the odd man out of last year's musical chairs and expected, I think, last year to get a seat, yeah. I think he probably was hoping for the seat Zhao ended up in. But like in terms of where he thought there was going to yes. be an available option, that was it was between him and Zhao. And look, they went with Zhao for a lot of different reasons. And I think to be fair to Zhao, he's he's delivered as far yes. as his expectations should be. You, you know, he's done enough to stay there. I would expect. I think you're right on this one. I think that's where Oscar, unless it's again, the easiest somebody move else for offers him some better option. Yeah, that. it's the easiest move for them to make. I think. I think it's the smartest move. It's a move that they probably didn't want to make until next year. Um, right. But hey, if the doors open, put the kid yeah. in it. See what he can do. That's right. All right. So let's jump over to Aston Martin. We know now who their two drivers will be. I, again, technically Stroll isn't signed, but by dad owns the company. He ain't good. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty hard to imagine that it's going to be anybody other yeah. than him. Uh, and I so, hate him as a driver too. So I don't even want to talk about him. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, so that, that team set good. We can move on. <laughs> and this is where it starts to get a little bit more clear because obviously now we're getting to the table. Like there, there's not a lot of open seats. There's a couple, but there's, but there's space here for a lot of question marks. Ferrari, we know it's going to be Leclerc and signs. There's no reason to suggest either of those guys would want to go anywhere else because as bad as Ferrari has been for them, it's still pretty much the best place to be who you yeah. don't leave Ferrari unless, you know, Let's go to the other Ferrari engined car. That's Haas. So this is an interesting one because this is the most recent driver change to begin with. Uh, Kevin Magnussen mm-hmm. at this time last year did not have a seat. Uh, and at the first weekend of testing did not have a seat. And it wasn't until uh, they went through Barcelona and into the first weekend that we even knew Magnussen would be returning to F1. The question mark is, I believe Magnussen is signed now. You don't have a contract in place currently for um, Schumacher. So the question mark is what does Haas do with that second seat? Is it still there for Schumacher to jump back in on? Is Schumacher looking for a different opportunity? Is there a different opportunity for him somewhere? Well, this is the the tough one for because Schumacher, 
I think Haas would love to have him back in that seat. I think it's his seat if he wants it. The question is, does he want it? Because your name is Schumacher. You could theoretically, just that name gets you into these other doors um, to have conversations about their spots. It's because there's a spot that could be open at McLaren. Yeah, we're going to get to them in a second. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that Schumacher, if he leaves Haas, he would only do it for McLaren. Yeah. Yeah, and that seems to be the only other real option there, unless Alpine comes calling for some reason. They don't want to go with Piastri. Um, And again, there's marketing value in a name like Schumacher, but it doesn't feel as much like a a logical fit for him. Um, So yeah, I would agree with you. I think that's the only other option, but if you're Haas, why wouldn't you just stick with what's there? I mean, you've had some success like, this season, yeah. although yes, Schumacher has struggled at times. You really think that changing out your driver again is going to bring you immediate success in a different way than what he's capable of. I just don't see that. I don't see it either. I think they, especially what you just said with, they finally, they just need to settle down and get, now they have the drivers. If they can keep them, if they just keep switching drivers out, it's just going to continue to be chaos after chaos. So I think just settle down, go with what you have. They have been good. It's like they, two weeks ago, we were talking about how good they were. So Magnuson, I think gets that seat and Schumacher, I think I believe stays unless McLaren comes calling. So let's talk about McLaren. Cause that's next up alphabetically. We know that Norris and Ricardo are signed. Well, here's the thing. It has been pretty evident that Ricardo and McLaren's relationship is on rocky ground let's put yes. it that way right both sides i think are are feeling less uh positive about it than they were this time last year let's say ricardo's results haven't been there the team is struggling to figure out exactly what they're going to do with this new car they've had these weekends like this weekend where you know north showed well seventh isn't a great finish but to be honest with you they finished above their competitors in alpine and that's what they're looking for this season yes. right that's all that's they a win can hope them. for yes so is it possible Ricardo at this point, you know, saying in public that he's going to honor the deal? Is he just bluffing, looking for like a better buyout, better way to sort of make some deal happen? Is he still a competitive enough driver that there's another outfit, maybe Haas, who wants a veteran driver and might say, you know, here's, a, here's an opportunity for you. And he would jump ship from McLaren for that kind of reason. Or do you think it's more likely that he finds himself just on the outs at, at, at all? I think if we see any driver on this, this season racing who isn't in a seat next year, not due to retirement, it's going to be Daniel Ricciardo. And he has had such a fall from grace from when he was at Red Bull. And he was the first season of Drive to Survive was basically Daniel Ricciardo and how good he is. And then he goes to Renault. And then that ended horribly. He didn't want to honor, honor being with them. So they had a huge turnover with their racing director and everything. And then he went to McLaren and now he's fighting with McLaren. So I don't know if you are another team, especially a team like Haas or Williams, that is usually, they don't need a big name. Like they just, they actually want youth more so than they want a guy like Ricardo. I believe, like, I don't know if Ricardo has anything left. He's in a car that should be top 10 and he's not performing. I don't yeah. know why you, I don't know. Like, I think, I think they'd get him out of his contract. I don't know why you would keep him. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's an interesting one. And again, as you say, where's the other team that's going to take him? Cause the seats that are open, I mean, may again, I, if there's a team that's going to take him for me, it's, it, it, it comes down to two. It's either Alpine wants 
a bit more steady hand in there. Or did he did just had him. him? He was just there two years ago. Actually, I, yeah, you're right. I guess that's true. It's a, it, it's an interesting thing about whether or not they've that relationship was weird though because he had such good success for Renault like he drove well for, he won a race for them I mean he yeah. drove really really well for them um and then the other option would be Haas because I don't think that Williams is going to be interested in Daniel no, Ricardo, the Williams way that their old. system's built Haas might be because you know Haas is all about marketing and branding and building is um, he a name still though is Ricardo still liked I don't know. I mean, I think he probably moved some merchandise in certain places. I don't know, though. It's a good question. I guess we're about to find out. We're going to test the brand power of Daniel Ricciardo because he isn't driving well enough to stick around. Yeah. Uh, And if he gets a a seat somewhere, it's going to be built more on what the intangibles are at this point, I think. I think you're right, though. He has the highest likelihood of being the the odd man out. Yeah. If it's not this year, he's next year. Now, that said... I think there's a real close competitor, though, for a driver who is in a seat this year that does not have a seat next year, and his name is Nicholas Latifi at Williams. Um, but so I'm jumping to Williams only because okay. we know that they just so we do this fair. We know who the Mercedes <laughs> drivers are. Yes. Hamilton and Russell are signed. They're not going anywhere. And we know who Red Bull's drivers are. Sergio and Max are not going anywhere. They're both signed. They're both happy. Both of those teams very happy in their driver lineup remember mercedes just put george in the car and look at what he's done for them. there's no way he's going anywhere there was a three-year yeah. plan to get him there it extended to a fourth because of covid he's there now this is the team that until lewis hamilton decides either to retire or to do something bizarre and move on this is what you're going to see in those two cars anyway let's go to williams because that as i say is the biggest question mark they have no driver signed so right it's wide open does nicholas latifi have a seat next year really so let's this is actually the interesting part about what happened with Vettel's retirement snowballing into Alonso leaving Alpine because then theoretically you put Oscar Piastri in that seat because he was going to go to Williams because they wanted him in the F1. Now, also, Piastri takes away some of the fan base in Australia for Ricardo, so that also does not bode well for him. Oscar Piastri is from Australia, so he will sell more merchandise than Ricardo will next year. But so Williams, now it was going to be, I think Alex Albon gets that seat because he's been very good this year. Um, and he is but coming into his own as a driver. Question mark. Does he get that seat or, or is it also very possible that he replaces Yuki Sonoda? He is a Red Bull driver. He is wearing a Red be... Bull helmet in a Mercedes engine right now because he is very high on Red Bull's list. Remember, he drove for the, the main team less than two yeah. years ago and just lost out on a space. They fought real hard to, to convince Mercedes and Williams to let him drive for them. He's driven well enough to be there. If they don't feel at Alpha Tori, like Yuki Sonoda is a project worth continuing because he is a project helmet. Marco, who we know is the be all end all for the development of drivers at that mm-hmm. program has said, he believes Yuki Sonoda is a troubled or problem child. He called him yeah. that, that is not, you know, broken English being what it is. That doesn't bode well for Yuki Sonoda long-term if he can't get himself some better results. And we know that the bar is very, very high for Red Bull in terms of performance. I, I would not point. be surprised if Alpine goes home, uh, pardon me, if Albon goes home to uh, to AlphaTauri. Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me, I guess, is what that's I'd say. A great, that's a great point, though. I didn't even think about that. That is a, yeah, because you could, Sonoda not only is he not having results, but he's kind of pain in the ass. He's constantly yeah. screaming at everybody and you can't scream at everybody if you're not, not doing well results. Yeah. So that's a great, that's a great point. Cause they could put Albon in there. With, and then you've got Gasly and Albon. Gasly, that's pretty good. You've got a little that's rivalry a pretty good driver of your pair. own two drivers, but those two drivers are competitive. They will work 
yeah. hard with each other and against each other. I think it, to be honest with you, if it was me, I think that's the most logical thing for Alpha Tori to do right now. I don't, I don't know how much they value again, the Japanese market and what, what the intangible ads are that Yuki Tsunoda brings if he can't perform on the track. Yeah. His money, whatever money he brings in will yeah. be the factor of whether or not they yeah. want him to stay. But yeah. so then going back to Williams, let's say in that scenario, Let's say Al- that's actually better for Latifi. If Albon goes to Williams, or if Albon leaves Williams and goes to AlphaTauri, Sonata, Sonata maybe goes to Williams. Let's that could happen. Like they could just could, swap. We don't know. Could. But um, let's let's say that doesn't happen. Let's say Albon leaves, so both seats are open for Williams. I think yeah. Latifi gets to keep his seat if Albon leaves. I think Latifi just saved his seat because Piastri is now at Alpine instead of Williams because Piastri was going to take Latifi's seat. That was going to, I believe that that was going to happen. But now that there's a seemingly an Alpine driver spot for Piastri, I think that helps Latifi keep his Williams seat. He had a terrible first half of the first half. He kind of put it, he's been putting it together slowly over the last three or four races, but the yeah, if they lose both drivers, maybe Latifi gets to stay there. If Albon stays, I think Latifi loses his spot to Nick DeVries. Now, Nick DeVries is also a young driver. Uh, I believe he's Dutch. He has been talked about for a long time, the same way Piastri has about probably having to, should have been in a car this year. Uh, so he probably gets that spot at Williams. I bet you Williams right now is going, DeVries is one of our drivers. Let's figure out the other guy. And if it's Albon, I think Albon has an offer from them, but you're right. If he leaves, then they're going to have to find someone else. And then maybe Latifi just gets to stay. I don't think they swap over both drivers. I think one guy goes, I think it's Latifi. And I think Nick DeVries gets that spot um, or they sign them both back. This I don't think both are me, going. Though, this smells to me like a full overhaul. I, 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 really? This would be, here's what, and it's so I'm, rare. That is it so is, rare. It is rare, but we've seen it and we've seen it at Williams. Williams is a team that knows right now that they need to, they need to they need to continue to develop young drivers for Mercedes to make themselves financially viable in the current structure they're in. That's their place in terms of where they are as a team. They have become Mercedes feeder uh, the same way AlphaTauri is by nature Red Bulls. Yes. And I think that they recognize that relationship. And I do think that's why I would agree with you. Nick DeVries is the most likely candidate I could see from the outside because he is Mercedes reserve driver. He's driving right now in Formula E. There's three other guys though. We've talked about one of them already because if he doesn't go to LP and we know Piastri was high on their list to, to drive for them last year. And I think it's very possible if he's not Alpine's guy, then he'll slot right in there. But there's two other young drivers. And I think Williams is really interested in just having younger drivers. Number one, they don't pay them as much and they know that they can continue to develop. And the other two guys that come to mind are Filippi Dragovic, who's the championship leader right now of formula two. And then the other one is the American kid, Logan Sargent and Logan brings the, uh, a huge market ad to formula one as being the first American driver we've seen there in over a decade and having the value of being there. He's a member currently of the Williams driving Academy. He's third in formula two. He has every box checked. He deserves an opportunity at some point in the next couple of years. Is it this year? I don't know, but he's going to be knocking on the door from Williams perspective. What they don't want to have happen is I think what they've already, what very likely has already happened with Piastri where the guy they really want goes somewhere else because the opportunity wasn't there yet. Mm -hmm. Right. Piastri is their guy. He, he was developed to be their guy. There was a plan in place for Mercedes development 
you know, academy to have him be the next George Russell, line him up, get him into this car, let him drive here for a few years. And if if a seat opens up at the big team, he can go there. But if he signs with Alpine, he's probably there for a couple of years if he drives to his p- potential and they've missed that opportunity to, to, to leverage what he could as a driver. And so I think that there's a chance that they take a gamble on two young drivers here. I would be shocked if Latifi drives next year. And I'm, I, I don't mean that just because I'm not a huge Latifi fan. I just don't see, I don't see anything on his resume that says that he belongs in a formula one car and that he adds enough to a team look we know he brings some financial support from his father but that relationship sounds like it's already soured with williams yeah like apparently that's going issues there yeah apparently that's going away and that would have been the reason you that they'd have to keep latifi but if they're like fuck it listen we don't need it we, we don't, don't need, need your money, your money anymore, then and, we'll and that's go. the big thing so if albon leaves regardless if albon leaves i think latifi is days there are over that i just believe that that's the case and i think yeah. that it's either a young driver probably Nick DeVries or, you know, either Drogovic or Sargent and Albon. But again, I'm really liking this idea of Albon going home. I'm just yeah. saying it makes a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense. I never thought about it because I just figured out oh, he used to be at Williams for another years because Sonata's so young. But I said three or four weeks ago too that I don't think Sonata, he has to save this season in order to save his career with AlphaTauri. And he's not doing it. He had worst race he's ever had yesterday. And it does make sense for Albon to go, to go back. This is why they put him in the Williams. They said, go to Williams and be in a formula one seat. We'll see what you can do. We'll bring you back over. So he's proven that he can race. And you're right. Latifi has never done anything that warrants him in an F1 car other than he Williams likes to hold on to their guys. For some reason, they just like having young guys. He's not young anymore though. So I think I do think Latifi also goes. I, I think the think challenge I, for them is there's just nothing. There's no like without the financial backing that he previously brought, there's really no major benefit for them. You know, in the case of George Russell, George Russell signed a deal as a Mercedes development driver with Mercedes. He signed a deal that was very clear. We're going to put you at Williams. You're going to drive there for two years. And when those two years are up, you're going to take one of our two guys' main Mm -hmm. seats. That was the expectation. Now, that plan changed because of COVID. There was a shift in how they they expected them to be there. They let Valtteri have an, an, an additional season beyond that original deal, which meant Russell sort of was the guy in waiting. I don't know if Williams right now wouldn't... I just think that they'd be better off just going with two new guys and they probably will. I guess we'll wait and see. Um, as we, as we get here close to the sort of end of this whole thing, we made some bold predictions at the beginning of the season. I wanted to give you an opportunity as we go into the summer break for the second half to either amend the bold predictions you made or to make a new one. And I will go first by saying I'm making a brand new one based on what we now know. Here's my bold prediction. End of the season, we get through Abu Dhabi, Max Verstappen's the champion, but more importantly, I believe Mercedes is finishing second in the constructors. I yeah. think that Mercedes is going to beat Ferrari. Is that I a bold take anymore? That's not a bold take because that was going to be my take too. And even I was like, that's not a bold take. That's not bold enough because it is, it's going to happen. Ferrari is a mess right now. They have the best car on the track and they are a mess. They are a disaster. They have to, they should fire someone during the summer, the summer break because whoever is making their plans, is a moron and he's ruining he ruined the opportunity at winning a championship this year so i don't know if it is like i don't know if it is a bold take but i agree with you i think i think mercedes i don't even think it's close i think mercedes like flies 
by Ferrari. I would say it'd be bold to go with, I think Lewis Hamilton wins. What's there nine races left? 10 races left, nine races left. Nine. Yeah. I bet you he wins two of those races. All right. I look, I'll say this. I, I, you asked me a question last week that kind of caught me on the back foot. You said, will Lewis Hamilton win another race in formula one? And I said, yes, obviously I believe he will. I didn't know if he'd win it this year. He's, he's going to win a race this year. Like yeah. the way that they're driving, he, he's going to win a race. And I think that he, and I think George will also win a race. I think that's uh, okay. the other thing. I you think, think this I year? said this, well, cause I go back to my, my bold prediction. I think I said, I, I think I said, I expected there to be four first time winners this season. That's unlikely. I do believe yeah, that, is that there will be at least two because we've already had Carlos signs. I do believe George is going to win one this season. And I, I will stick with, I think there's still a possibility that there's another one because yeah, there's that, we haven't that yet race. had that. Yeah. We haven't had that race, right? The one where it's like the wheels just come off everybody at the front because there's a collision yeah. like last year at Hungary or something weird happens or we're in the rain or something like that. Yeah. I still think it's possible Norris or, uh, or, or somebody, or maybe it is somebody just completely off the, the you know, like a, somebody way down the, 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 the charts there that gets a, I don't know, strolls just in the right place, the right moment. Somebody's going to sure, have it won't that be opportunity. Him. It won't be him. It's not going to be a stroll. Right. Don't say that. It won't be him. Fine. I think there's at least three. I think more specifically, I think George Russell will be a race winner by the end of the season. I, I think that Mercedes has done enough and will continue to. And look, they get three weeks now back at the factory to go, holy, we've got a lot of progress here. What can we do? Everybody does, but sure. Well, also they Mercedes don't, is at the highest, the highest place of figuring it out though. Technically they don't get those three weeks. They are not allowed to work for 14 consecutive days. They get to right. choose those 14 consecutive days, right. but it is illegal to do any work for 14 days. So you can bring the cars back to the factories, fix them up, then take 14 days and come back with like five days left before, but there, you have to take 14 days at some point over the next 26 or 27 days that they have. So, right. You, so yeah. your engineers can't be thinking about the car and you can't have guys sitting at home looking at statistics. Sure. They can all do that. 14 yeah. days of not being in the office is not 14 days of not thinking about what's next and knowing yeah. that there are going to be a lot of strategy conversations that happen informally at dinners in Monaco or guys having, you know, vacation time um, to figure out what's yeah. next. And if you're Mercedes going into this break, you are exactly where you want to be because that was a horrible first four or five races. The last four or five, exactly what they expected and exactly what they should be hoping for. They're not going to catch Max or stop it. They know. That. No, nobody is. He's, this is his, this is his year. And that's yeah. the, that's what I've learned from this first half. Uh, like just to, just to get away from the predictions is what yeah. I've learned this yeah. year is that Max Verstappen is, is winning this year and it's not going to be close. He is the best driver out yeah. on in the field right now. Um, and is, is not only like the best fastest guy. He's also a guy that seems like he's out there having the most fun. He's like, he's well, winning races and he's just laughing. He's like, yeah, you had eight wins and your closest rival had three. You got 10 podiums of a possible, I think 11 or 12. Like you're having a great time, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he is. And it's starting to piss me off because I don't hate him. I, it's not as easy to hate Max Verstappen as it was five weeks ago. He's so Fair good. Enough. He's just so good. I, I, he's, we have to acknowledge how good he is and we don't, we actually don't talk about him a lot because I just, he just wins. He wins and not really, we don't, we're not fans of his, but man, that guy, like I would never want him behind me at any point of any race because he 
is going to pass you and he's going to make it look easy. You're going to look like a fool. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, as you say, you know, his championship to lose. I, I don't see it happening unless I don't know, he breaks his leg or something like the guy. Yeah. Everything is going his way right now. And, uh, and we'll wait and see where that all shifts. Okay. So uh, August 28th is our race in Belgium. It's the Belgian Grand Prix at the circuit de spa spa is a great track. It's a lot of fun. It's got a couple like really serious DRS and speed trap sections between turns, turn one uh, and turn five. You've got two, three, and four of these tiny little chicanes uphill. You've got the straightaway um, between four and five. That's fantastic. And then a whole bunch of downhill corners. This is one of those tracks that another, like if you were to say this top four or five Formula One iconic tracks, this is right up there, right? They've held Grand Prix here since 1950. Um, it's a 44 lap uh, race. The, the, the track records, I think a minute 46. So it's a quick lap uh, by Formula One standards. Valtteri Bottas holds that. It's a lot of fun. Um, we've seen a lot of different stuff there. I think a lot of drivers for them, this is probably up there in terms of like their favorite tracks to that's drive. What they say. You know? Yeah. yeah that's what they it's, say. It, it, it's a great track. And it's also a track that we have seen a lot of different results based on weather. We talk about all year long. We love the rain. If it rains in Spa, all bets are off because it's one of those tracks that just is such a difficult track to drive. Let's talk about rain real quick uh, because it is, it's when it's raining, it's in Belgium. So when it's raining at spa, like at the track, a lot of the times it's not raining over the entire track. It falls over just one section of corners. So you'll get wet weather on three or four turns. And then the rest of the track will be dry, which is, in, that's probably the most frustrating thing for drivers. You want to have one uniform, uh, type of track in terms of weather and if it's dry or whatever it is, but to have to go from like, I need wets in some corners to I need softs in some corners is what makes this track specifically tricky in terms of, of predicting weather. And last year, 2021, this race did not finish. They did not complete this race due to weather. So we raced a little bit, then we sat under red flag conditions and we waited and we waited and we waited and eventually they had to call it. And George Russell finished number two on the podium in a Williams car as yeah. a result of it for stopping with the win Hamilton in third, but for Russell, it was the first podium of his career and a, a very sort of like bittersweet one because in so many ways it, you know, he didn't even really get to drive the yeah. drive the race. I would say if I was making bold predictions, there's a great chance Russell could be winning this race this year. Yeah. Uh, and certainly should be competing for second again. Um, they, they, you know, at, Spa is, is, is a classic in so many ways. And if it rains, all bets are off, as they say, and that's, what's going to be excited about it, but we don't know what's going to happen because it's like uh three weeks from now. We have no idea yeah. what the long-term forecast is going to be. Um, and so and we're not allowed to check be. the weather because we have to be off, off work for 14 straight 14 days. days. Yeah. You can't check their weather. Don't do anything for 14 consecutive days. You have to time. take 14 consecutive days off. When yeah, are you going to take get, yours? I'm starting right. tomorrow. There you go. You can't, you can't do anything for 14 consecutive days. Well, I know one thing you can do. Uh, if you haven't already head over to ordinarypodcasts.com and check out the merch store. There is a hat there and Tyler, you uh, yourself can be an advocate for this because you bought yourself one and it, it looks great. I love them. I love them. It's a, it's a five panel hat. It's my first five panel hat. Um, and I got it and I love it. It's uh, you can get blue, you can get green. Uh, the logo is super dope and says pit stop podcast in the butt and you best yet you support yeah, us. Exactly. You can rep, rep the show. People be like, Hey, what, where'd you get your hat? And then you can tell them yep. about your favorite formula one podcast, support the show. And if you really want to support the show, you can also follow us 
on Instagram. And if you haven't already, please, please, please subscribe and follow us, whether it's on Apple or on Spotify or on any other place you get your podcasts, you can subscribe anywhere there. It just helps us continue to build the show and develop a following. We love to be able to share our love of Formula One with you. And we hope that uh, you will stick with us after our 14 days of seclusion and isolation. We will reemerge at the end of August with what will be a very exciting second half of the season. We'll know by then a few more places people are mm-hmm. going to be driving. We'll know a lot more about what's going to happen. And then we will wait and see what the driving gods have in store for us at Spa. Thanks, Tyler. Have a great 14 days off. We will talk to you at the end of August. That was uh, the Pit Stop Podcast. Pit Stop Podcast is a presentation of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.